Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. And you can become a subscriber at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Well, as always, we got Ishmael Johnson here. Ish, how you doing? I'm doing good. And as of right now, Tom Herman is still the coach of Texas. Look, uh, I, I think that all of this is up to the minute, right? Like, uh, yeah. I, I feel like we have to do the NPR politics podcasting where this, this episode was recorded at 11, 10 a.m. on Monday. Uh, and, you know, anything that happened after that could be completely different. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah. but you're right. At least at this moment, uh, the Urban Meyer thing seems to have not worked out according mm-hmm. to, uh, to Kirk Bulls over at the Statesman and, and 247 Sports. It sounds like Urban Meyer's decided that he doesn't want to go back into coaching, um, which, you know, the, the reason that he got out in the first place was, you know, a, a lot of it was legitimate health reasons mixed with mm-hmm. some, you know. He didn't go back to Florida. That's why he left Florida too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, look, I, I think that – I think that with Urban, right, like, he's a super competitive dude. He, he's a dude who, mm-hmm. you know, wants to be the best coach of all time. And, you know, I, I don't – I mean, I'm not saying that this is part of his consideration, but, like, I, I think that in the modern era, people are saying, like, okay, he's maybe – you know, he's second to Saban, and maybe that's just good enough for him. He's not going to catch Saban, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe he's just reached a, a place of, a, of kind of satisfaction, you know? And yeah. And the Texas job obviously is no guarantee, right? <laughs> I mean, I think mm-hmm. that we know that at this point. So, um, so, so now, I mean, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, do you think that they end up bringing Herman back, or do you think it's it's too far gone? I, I mean, it's so tough to know. Yeah. So I was, <clears throat> I read your take, and it was an interesting one because it was like now they're kind of in a limbo because these rumors were so prevalent, and it right. was so obvious that they were courting him behind the scene, courting Urban Meyer behind the scenes. But then I, so I decided to do like a little, you know, financial breakdown, right? And so I was like, okay, well, what would, because if you can get Urban Meyer, right, paying Herman's buyout and paying, you know, probably eight plus million, probably 10, closer to $10 million for Urban Meyer is a no-brainer, right? Like if you you can bring him out of retirement, that's a no-brainer. Okay, but now look at your options because now you start to look at okay who's second on the list probably a james franklin right so right i decided to look at the monetary the financial implications of that tom herman's buyout's 15 million dollars he's making roughly five and a half per year upwards up between five and a half and six for basically you know uh scaling up for the rest of his contract so you'd pay 15 million dollars James Franklin has a $5 million buyout for him to leave the job at Penn State. So you pay another, you pay that $5 million because, of course, it's a courtesy for the new school to help the coach pay out his old school. Right. Unless you're Larry Tice, uh, who doesn't want to pay everyone with his buyout at, at James Madison. But that's another question. That's another topic for another day. Um, so, so that's $20 million. And then you're probably going to pay James Franklin about seven, six or seven, maybe $8 million. Right. So that's roughly twenty-seven to twenty-eight million dollars to get James Franklin, who I like, and I think is a, as of right now, I think is a better coach than Tom Herman. Sure. Well, twenty-eight million dollars for James Franklin, and that's implying you get James Franklin, right? That's not even. That's yeah. not even like if if he turns the job down, then okay, then you're going right. to Matt Campbell, who's you know it's it, I like Matt Campbell, but 
short term, is he a better option than Tom Herman? Who knows? And that's where the, to me, that's where the debate comes in. What do you expect to Texas next year and in the immediate future, 21 and 22, that James Franklin or a Matt Campbell could give you that Tom Herman couldn't? Because if, you, if, if, the, if, the, if your mindset is James Franklin can turn Jaquindon Jackson and Hudson Card into eventual Heisman Trophy winners in either one or two years, okay, then you go get him, right? If you honestly think that. But if you don't, and if you don't think he can turn this program around in one or two years, Matt Campbell definitely can't. He'll need like a longer term to p- put his stamp on the program. Right. I mean, this is what but year James five Franklin, at, at Iowa State. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Very much a process coach. Right. And so James Franklin is the same way. I mean, no, it's, uh, not in the same way, but, but if, you can, if you don't feel that James Franklin is one or two years fixing this job, then why would you pay 28 million dollars for him right and and the big thing too obviously is that with the with james franklin right like he's not a guy who's like he's he's a culture setter right and like that's that's sort of what he does better than uh not than anyone but the most right like that's sort Mm -hmm. of his his thing Uh, he's a great recruiter which hasn't necessarily been the issue obviously um Mm -hmm. and and, you know he's he's a good x and o's coach who's also hired very well um You know, and you obviously trust that he's going to hire very well, which has, you know, which is probably something that Herman didn't do well enough. Uh, you know, I, I do like the guys that he brought in this year, but I don't think consistently he's done it well enough. And, uh, but, but that's not like a quick fix, right? Like that's not, mm-hmm. that's not, you know, bringing Lincoln Riley in the door, right? That's not bringing Urban mm-hmm. Meyer in the door who, who are just going to take what you have there and make it better. That's not necessarily what he's being brought in to do. So the question is, like you said, are you willing to sacrifice 21 and 22 for the chance to maybe in 23 be that kind of team? And are you willing to pay $28 million right now to do it? And, and obviously all of this depends on the fact if, if you think that Tom Herman is a goner, is never going to succeed at Texas, which, you know, maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, that makes a decision a lot harder because then the flip side is obviously, you know, is, is Tom Herman, in your mind, going to drive Texas into the ground in 2021? I don't think that he'll do that, right? Like, I don't no. think that he'll, he'll tank Texas. I, I think that, you know, I, 2020 was a little disappointing, but we don't have to sit here and pretend that they're not 6-3 and three right now. That's fine. That's good. It's, it's just not great. And it's fair to expect in year four that, uh, you know, it's fair to expect more. But um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a really interesting situation to watch pan out over the offseason. But uh, we are going to get into the games, and we're going to very openly steal something from our friends over at PAPN slash Split Zone Zoo. We're going to set a timer for let's, – let's set it at 25 minutes. We had less games this week. Uh, and, and once that is over, we're going to be done. We need to start cutting down these <laughs> Sunday episodes because, look, Ish, I know that me and you have plenty to say about every one of these teams. We, we – I mean, my God, we might just have to set a 25-minute timer just for rice, but uh, right. <laughs> but we're we're gonna set at 25. We're gonna try to get in and out a little quicker <laughs> on these Sunday shows. Uh, so, are you ready to go? Go for it. Go. All right, number 12, uh, Texas State. Uh, obviously, we don't need to talk about them. Their season is over. Number 11, Baylor. Okay, so Baylor, huh. great <laughs> performance defensively. Just phenomenal performance yeah. defensively. They actually held uh, Oklahoma to 28, 27 points, rather, 4.56 yards per play, I, I, which were both, I believe, the lowest numbers since Lincoln Riley has taken over as head coach. 
unfortunately, mm-hmm. you got to play offense too. <laughs> this game, I think I tweeted this. This game went from very intriguingly bad because it's not like Baylor's offense was ever there, right? It was always right, like, right. all right, if the offense can get one play and they just never could get that one play. But it was it was that intriguing possibility of it happening when it was just three nothing forever. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, this game is intriguingly bad. And then it quickly, once Oklahoma made enough plays, it quickly went to, okay, let's just end this. Like, it yeah. was like, this needs to end. Because, like you said, the def- Baylor's defense played great. They really disrupted Spencer Rattler. It was probably his worst game going back to when he had his rough patch in his first month of the season. Uh, they got pressure on him. They made him roll out. They really made him uncomfortable in the pocket. And that's kind of when he's at his worst. Um, and... I mean, you just, it's hard to ask that of the defense for an entire game. And eventually, of course, they got a couple plays. And yeah, man, this, oh, this was, I don't know, was this the most frustrating the offense has looked? Because of the, I guess, in terms of the context, context. like you you had a chance to beat, yeah, you had a chance to beat Oklahoma. You had a chance, Oklahoma was there for the taking. And, I think especially after what we'd seen from the offense. Right. I would say, I would say, and and they kind of uh, in a similar way, put it on in the fourth quarter. Um, I I would say the Texas game probably is the most frustrating that Taylor offense has looked, but obviously, like you said, I mean, I, it was, it was kind of weird, right? Cause like, I mean, obviously after this game, after every week, (laughs) you know, you hear the, the Charlie Brewer stuff, Um, Mm. you know, but they averaged 1.0 yards per rush down. You know, they, they just yeah. do not have a rush game. Um, you know, I also averaged under under five yards of uh, a pass. Charlie Brewer right. passed 56 times for 263. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah. it's unambitious. And that's that's on Fedora. That's not all on Charlie Brewer. That's on Fedora where you're like, you can't pass almost 60 times and your quarterback barely has, right. n- not even, barely over 250. Right. And, and I honestly, I mean, I'm not, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying he played well, but like, I think that Brewer was fine. Um, I, I think he was that, okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought that he was fine. I, do, I don't think that he's the reason like solely just sitting there that the offense was bad. Right. Like sure. it's the blocking. It's obviously, I mean, the other thing that we've got to mention with the, uh, with Baylor's, uh, rushing attack is that they were without John Lovett. Uh, they were without mm-hmm. uh, a trusting Emner got hurt during the game. Jonah white only got three carries and then like seemed to injure his wrist on the sideline. So like you're talking about there literally being like just a couple of like 18 year olds and, and like walk-ons getting in the game at running back. So like yep. there was a lot of context and in Oklahoma's played really well on defense too. I, I do want to say that, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Something's something's got to change. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play on offense specifically against Oklahoma State this week because this is another winnable game in my opinion. I, I don't think mm-hmm. that Oklahoma State uh, is an unimpeachable team, but they've played really well on defense. So you got to find a way to make something happen. So we'll see whether they get some guys back. But let's move on to, to number ten, North Texas, forty-two thirty-one loss to Louisiana Tech. Uh, Jalen Darden, incredible, just, just an incredible mm-hmm. player. Um, I think he finished with, it was like 140 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and he also now is the leading, uh, touchdown reception leader in North Texas history. I said that in the clunkiest way possible. Um, <laughs> and also this year, by the way, it, so, so there is one other receiver who has as many touchdowns this year as Jalen Darden and it's Devonte Smith. 
I was about to say, yeah, Devontae Smith. (laughs) Like, those two guys... The should-be Heisman candidate, Devontae Smith. Right, right. So, like, that's the kind of error that Jalen Darden's playing in. And, by the way, he's not having Mac Jones throw to him. He's having Jason Bean throw to him. You know, this this quarterback rotation has combined to complete 54% of their passes, and Jalen Darden still ranks number five in receiving yards per game and number one nationally in touchdowns. Like... Mm -hmm. Put, put this man on the all-american team okay like just right just oh my gosh it's incredible but outside of darden who has again 15 of north texas's 20 touchdown receptions this season which is just stupid mm-hmm. by the way um not a lot of good not a lot of good nope not a lot of good um the russian running game was not there uh nick smith had one big carry that kind of boosted his the rest of his day uh right. i think he had like a 40 yard run or something that more or less boosted his average because he did not he really didn't have that great of a game either um yeah i don't know uh it, it's it's also ulti- i don't want to say ultimatum time but it's it's definitely reality check time for where north texas trajectory is yeah and, and i said this um you know some of the stuff that we did this weekend but to me like i can i can accept some of the defensive issues because one they've thrown youth into the game which I think sure. is what you do at this point. And, mm-hmm. uh, and also they've lost a bunch of guys throughout the season to COVID. So they've just never really found their rhythm. So I don't think it's as bad as it looks um, mm-hmm. on defense. I think they're an okay spot there. It's really the offense where I just, <clears throat> I, I just have no answers for what's going on. You know, I mean, and, and like they're, again, I feel I still like think the running game is the strength, but yes, like yes. it's, it, it, I don't know if they just don't stick with it long enough or it gets wishy-washy because they didn't, they didn't really feel confident in either quarterback. So like they didn't really know how to scheme it exactly yeah. right. Obviously when Jason Bean's in there as opposed to Austin Ani, but I feel like, I mean, this is a team I think at, could, this is the team that could benefit most from spring camp, like confidently having an idea of who's going to be back there and what your offense is going to be. Right. And, and look, I mean, I, I do think that you need to start asking the question, is it any of the guys on the roster who should be back there? Right. Cause mm-hmm. uh, I'm not, I'm not saying that Jason Bean can't improve. Right. Like, cause I, I think he's a very talented player, but it's just not working right now. And, you know, Austin Ani obviously was a much more consistent passer, but he came with all sorts of drawbacks too. And, uh, you know, they've got the, the Kentucky transfer Imani Gilmore on the roster, but he's a project. I don't think he's ready. And uh, so, so the question just becomes, I mean, so, so now what, right? Will Cooney, I guess, is back there. Yep. Casey Martin's back there. Like, you got five quarterbacks and none of them are playable, you know? Like, <laughs> and uh, in, a, in a system at North Texas that is quarterback friendly, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. I, I mean, again, you're talking about Jalen Darden having like half of, uh, half of North Texas receiving yards for the entire season, and he's about to go to the NFL. And I think that, uh, I think that Deontay Simpson and Jair Shorter are going to be really special players, but you got to let them become that, right? You got to get them the yeah. ball, and, uh, and that's not happening. So North Texas pretty firmly at number 10. Uh, moving on to number nine, UTEP, they lost the game this week against Southern Miss uh, after they canceled some games because of uh of cases in the program that were later thankfully um in uh reversed that were false negative false positives rather um so they will play this week and actually the game was scheduled uh, against north texas to take place in el paso now it's going to move to denton and will take place on friday so i look north texas versus utep is extremely my thing so i will be there yes um, i'm sure i'll be the only one but <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I I'll do a I'll do whatever I can do. I I mean Nortex versus UTEP is is literally my Shahan Jarrod's branding, so I'll be there. <laughs> the only thing that could uh, that could be more is like uh maybe if like a small college got in the mix and uh i was about to say yeah, yeah. if like if like they play it's like a double header of like <laughs> commerce ver- like a a d2 versus d3 commerce versus uh mary harden baylor showdown or something <laughs> and yeah and then uh yeah and then and then throw baylor tcu just on top of it that would uh then there would just be all of my branding all together but uh, <laughs> we gotta organize that man the dave campbell's invitational i don't know about that but <laughs> i know right for double triple headers let's do it let's do it let's do it okay moving on to number eight I, texas tech what the <laughs> absolute hell was that i oh so i turned into this uh, game when i when i saw it was 10 nothing or ten, yeah. it was what was it wasn't it 10 what was the score at one point they were like it was like it was 10 nothing and they were holding 10 nothing and then 13 like wasn't it 13 6 or 13 it was 13 6 yeah it was 13 yeah, 6 13 at one point. 6 i believe and i immediately turned over i was like oh i gotta see this potential car uh, like <laughs> i need to see if texas because if if he lost this game he's gone Right, right, right. Like if he I, lost I this game, it's Matt co- Wells was not there because of COVID, which would make right, it even right. worse if he lost his game and lost his job without even being in the build. Right, exactly. But like that's you know, we always make fun of it. Like lose to Kansas, get fired. But that's that's sorry, that's the rule. Like lose to Kansas, get fired. And my God, Miles Kendrick was trying his damnedest to win this game because right, he right. was making, especially on that last drive, he didn't play necessarily well. Like it was, it was Kansas was never really in the game. If you really watched their offensive possessions, no. Um, but there was one that last drive he had. He made like two plays. You're like, oh my God, he's gonna do it. Like it was just like <laughs> these like movie style evasions to get first downs. You're just like, what? He's like spinning guys, jumping over a guy. You're like, what is happening? Like, are they gonna do this? And then you realize, oh no, they're actually a horrific football team, and they're not gonna do this. But right. Texas Tech, dear God, what was that offensive performance? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so just, you know, for a legitimate context, right, like Tech turns over the ball four times. And, yes. and that's not – I'm a big proponent of writing this story when the ball is in the air, right? Like judging the decisions and not w- focusing too much on the results, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that is one of those things where it's like you don't plan for that. You don't plan for there to be four turnovers, right? Like usually if you have four turnovers, you lose a game. But I – I would have liked to see a little bit more when they weren't turning the ball over. And yeah. I, I just never really did. And I mean, I think that this kind of just has tracked with what's happened all year, right? Which is, which is that I think that the defense has played pretty well all year. I think that it's in a good spot right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know what's happening on offense. And I'm not saying that you just need to for sure 100% do this. But I think they got to at least consider firing David Yost, right? Like... I, I, I think so. I mean, so you... Which is crazy, again, by the way. To, right, no, it's, it's absolutely insane. But, like, we we talked about identity with North Texas. What is Tech's identity under David Yost right now? I don't, it, again, it depends on the quarterback, obviously, because swing you, know, you have a... Diff- right, yeah, exactly. But, like, that's it. It's swing passes and hope Alan Bowman doesn't turn it over. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> right. that's basically... Because you have, you have a, a really solid running game. Potentially great when Sir Roderick Thompson's on his game. And you're, but you're, so, to me, you're one dimensional in that fashion. 
I don't see anyone that's really worried about text passing game right now. Do you? No, no. And I mean, it's just hard to, to figure out because I think early in the year, it was very much built around. We don't feel like we trust our tackle. So we're not going to go vertical. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think at this point, they've developed enough to where you feel okay about them. Right. And so I, I think that. So I'm wondering if it's just that they that he's uh, that Yost is struggling to build trust again with the offensive line and with Bowman, um, because you have guys right like Ezukanma is a, an All Big Twelve receiver like he's a good mm-hmm. player and you've got a bunch of other guys out there too. Um, you know, obviously Loic Fongi is is a guy who now is going to be a star right like we we expect mm-hmm. big things from him. I, I don't know. It's it's just a little weird. Um, you know, I'm I am curious. I think that the. the yeah, I think the – we should say, like, in this game, I'm curious what happens if – there were th- basically three moments that, like, really made this a lot closer than it needed to be, in, yeah. aside from the turnovers. Well, one turnover. Alan Bowman's first pick in the end zone, which was a, a drop, I think, was more of a drop than his fault. Yeah. Um, the ball was a little high, but I think the receiver has to catch that. Um, and then, of course, Graham missed two field goals. So, like, that's 13 points, right, Yeah. left off the board. And so if the score is, like, 23 nothing. Okay, right. you're probably not panicking at any right. point. But, again, you had one red zone chance, and then you couldn't push the ball two other times against Kansas. And that, I think that's the bigger issue. Because Graham obviously should make those field goals, but yeah. you should be way. also punching that. Oh, Garibay, sorry. I, I, sorry, my bad. Um, but they, he should be making those field goals, and but you should be pushing the ball against Kansas. It shouldn't be that big of an issue. Right, right. So we'll see if they make changes. Um, you know, I, I just felt like this was such an opportunity to just finish the season strong, right? Like, that's the biggest sure. frustration is it just felt like – it just felt like, okay, you get your you get your fun moment. And, like, look, I, I know that it hasn't been great. Like, Tech is, is going to finish four and six, which is fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's fine. It's not it's not great. It's not what you hope for. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if, if we're playing a 12-game season – you're probably making a bowl, right? Like, it's fine. If you had finished this with a, you know, a 35-3 to win over Kansas, you head into mm-hmm. the offseason feeling okay. Uh, but they just had to make it so much harder than, than it was. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of questions this offseason. Um, I, I will say, you know, we'll get into this uh, more of this much later. I, I don't see anything to, to the sort of thing that's going around about firing wells. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but, yep. but changes have to happen. Right. Uh, number seven, Houston. They had a game canceled against SMU. They actually moved down two spots in this because, to be perfectly honest, they haven't played in a while uh, and they don't have any good wins. So I don't know whether it was worth propping them up at number five at this point and, and other teams <laughs> kind of took those spots. So number six. Okay. Here we – actually – we got to come back to them at the end. It's Rice. Uh, let, let's get through yeah. everybody else first. We got to yes. come back to them. Number five, TCU. TCU <laughs> is going to finish with a winning record. And yeah. I. We're back. Gary Patterson's back, baby. <laughs> I am so confused Problem by solved. this team. <laughs> Problem solved. We're good to go. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean you're confused? Everything's solved. Max Duggan's good. Uh, they're gonna, yeah, I don't know. That's all I can go. That's all I can, that was all I can win. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when they decide to throw the ball, it doesn't look bad. Yeah, yeah. I, this team is so weird because they are such a, I, I guess it's kind of like how Kansas State was earlier in the year, where it's like on offense, they're either hitting freaking home runs or they're doing nothing. 
And but they've hit. I mean, look, I I just they've hit home runs. They've, they've hit home enough runs. home runs to win five games, right? Yeah. And and obviously we expect them to beat Louisiana Tech next week and get to six wins, right? Like the, at some point you have to say, I mean, that's those are wins. <laughs> you know, those counts. And if they don't fumble the ball, I mean, they're they're handily beating this Oklahoma State team. Um, I, number and, fifteen, by the way. Which yeah, I, number, I don't know about that. Right. Yeah. I know. That's yeah, whatever. Um, they, God, speaking of underwhelming teams, um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it's this, I think uh, Parker mentioned this on Twitter. It was like, uh, I think Ian Boyd and Parker mentioned this when they were talking about the game. It was like, oh, they have good receivers when they can throw deep. Like, they, they have deep threats, and they have right. somebody who can hit deep threats. And it's like, I wonder why they're so reliant. Well, I know why they're relying on the running game because they have a lot of talented running backs. But you don't have to force feed it and be conservative like 70% of the time, right? Like, I think it's, I think Max Duggan is okay if you let him throw the ball a little bit more and maybe you don't feel confident in your line to be able to do that enough and for long periods, but I don't know. All your, literally every good thing that's happened to this offense has been Max Duggan taking a deep shot. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, that's not true. Actually, it's also him pulling it on the zone read. But uh, Fair enough, yes. Okay, fair <laughs> enough, yes, yes. But uh, the, the thing that I'll say is that I don't have an issue with, the, like, I think that they obviously should call more, more deep plays. The issue, I think, for me, is that they keep calling just these go routes, and he just does not have yeah. the timing on those. So call a post route. Like, he's right. been really good on post routes and uh, one yeah. throwing more to the middle of the field. But they just keep calling these, uh, you know, these fades and go routes. And, and it's like, those are difficult passes in the best of times. And you know who I, you know who I feel like, this is going to be weird. Okay. TCU and Baylor should swap OCs. <laughs> Can you imagine Larry Fedora calling plays for Max Duggan <laughs> and Doug Meacham calling plays for Chuck? I think they'd be great. I think they'd I be think great for work. each other. I think it could I work. I think it could work. <laughs> I keep watching Max Duggan and I was like, oh man, if he had somebody who could understand like spacing and, you know, just kind of like freeing up the field for him. It was like, oh, that's Larry Fedora. <laughs> and I was like, oh, if, if, if uh, Charlie Brewer had someone who could utilize his running game, but a little bit conservative, but also, you know, you know, be, uh, take some deep shots occasionally oh that's just that's just Doug Meacham okay let's just swap these two I'll have to run that idea by Parker I'm sure he'll have some thoughts yeah. I'm sure Gary would love to throw Baylor a hand right <laughs> uh, by the way the, the fact that we're talking so much about the offense means yes the defense did play very well and they are really rounding yeah. the shape um D oh, Winters yeah. D Winters is going to be a guy for them long term. oh my gosh he's so yeah. good man yeah he's, he's gonna he's, he's gonna be an all-america type down the road um, that's a vintage Gary Patterson find by the way from uh oh, I forgot where he was Burton I think 2A yeah, no, I mean, it's, let me, hold up, I'm pulling up, I'm pulling up, uh, come on, website, yeah, Burton, you're right, so, yeah. how about that, how about that? Um, High school, you're finding a stud, potential all Big 12 kid. Man, number four, the Texas Longhorns, we met, uh, We mentioned that, uh, obviously, all the, the drama with them, they also went out and beat Kansas State 69-31, to so, yeah, uh, hey, everything's fixed. <laughs> can you name? the year, the last time that they beat a Big 12 opponent by 38 or more points. Was it the Big 12 title game in 2010? Or not 2010, uh, 2006? 
No, no, no. It, it was 2015. They beat Kansas. If we were oh, looking, okay, okay. If we were looking for non-Kansas wins that were that big, it's it's probably you're talking 2009. Like that's probably yeah. what you're talking. Maybe probably. maybe they might have had one in 2013. I don't know, but uh, yeah. but yeah. So, uh, but it's you know five years, five years. So 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 in my opinion, is the most fireable Tom Herman offense the fact that it took this long to realize Bijan Robinson's your best running back? <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, I was having that conversation a bit on Twitter last night too, and it's just I think that that's the thing that's always going to be the most befuddling about Tom Herman is mm-hmm. knowing that this is in him, right? Like knowing sure. that that scoring basically seventy points and just obliterating a team like Kansas State, who has a, a pretty good defense, they're terrible mm-hmm. on offense, but has a pretty good defense, just blowing them off the plate, and it's like. What if you did this against Iowa State, right? Like, what, what, right. If, you, what if you did this right. against Oklahoma and they don't? They just yeah. don't. So, yeah, it was – it's it's I don't know. It's weird, man. Bijan, like, Bijan Robinson has played he, – he, he, he looked good the past few weeks. Like, he's had, like, those bursts. And this week was just like, oh, no, this dude is your guy. Like, why yeah. wasn't this dude your guy – all season long because I get it. Roshan Robinson, Roshan Johnson's pl- put in a lot of work converting from quarterback. I don't care. He's not a running back. At least he's not a pure three down running back, right? B. John Robinson is. Jordan Whittington's still coming back. He's still, you know, he's mostly a receiver still. I still don't think, he, you know, who knows if he's ever going to get back to what we thought he was going to be um, in terms of a physical specimen. Maybe he will. But again, Keonta Ingram's never gotten healthy. And, you know, I, th- I think he's just obviously he's decided to leave, right? Uh, right, and right. came out so Bijan Robinson was your guy like I don't know there was only one true blue running back in this backfield from day one healthy and you're just now realizing that it's him it's five star <laughs> I don't know yeah no and and I will say right like I think the the issue has much more been uh trying to spoon feed Ingram than even Johnson I think that Johnson's been pretty good for them fair, but fair, uh fair. but no, yeah. no, Johnson Johnson's yeah he's spelled them in very good but I still think he's featured a lot more especially in the beginning yeah. of the year he's featuring a lot more than you think he should have been definitely definitely I think that's fair and um so yeah now uh now by the way Texas has shut down operations after some positive case in the program yeah we'll see whether they get to play against Kansas this week uh that's still the plan nothing's been canceled at this point but they're gonna Mm -hmm. uh they're gonna reevaluate uh you also mentioned uh Keontae Ingram has left the program um we actually have a tracker of now on textfootball.com where we're tracking uh, every player departure, whether it's to the NFL or to transfer or to like retirement or something like that, including all 15 Texas State players. Hey, 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 hey! It's only uh, I think we're only at 12 at this point. So oh, we're... The tw- <laughs> there was more. I still think we we're still, still thought we were at 10. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> Has there 10, been more? 10 transfers. Uh, Haydell to the NFL, and then um, okay. and then uh, Kev just uh, just posted a new one today that I need to check because I've I haven't checked which it was, but uh, but yeah. All right, I'll check right now. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so number three, SM- oh, Maurice Wren. That's another JUCO guy. Oh going, yeah, okay. that's that's right, that's right. Uh, kid who just joined uh, this spring, actually. So yeah. Uh, look, some guys when they when they don't get immediate playing time, I you can't fault them for being like, well, I've one more try at this, basically. So you know, mm-hmm. good luck to him and and to <laughs> like we mentioned all those other guys, <laughs> but. <clears throat> 
we'll just have a podcast where we're listing names of Texas State transfers and of kids who are not committed to Texas State in the same episode. <laughs> but uh, number three, we got SMU. Um, they had a game postponed against Houston, which sucks because that was a game that I was really looking forward to. Uh, number two, UTSA, their season's over. Number one, Texas A&M, just briefly we'll talk about. Uh, great performance for them against Auburn. Um, I, I, it was funny because it reminded me so much of last year's game where Auburn just grabbed them by the neck and, and didn't mm-hmm. let go. And this year it was Texas A&M really grabbing them uh, on the defensive side of the ball and playing really well. And, uh, and you know, I think that the offense was efficient. It wasn't particularly explosive, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, Auburn's a good defense. I think they did more than enough. Hey, they got the ball to Isaiah Spiller and Jalen Widemar, and that was enough. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, that's our timer. Perfect timing. Let's, we can just dedicate uh, the last I was about couple. to say, let's just go off on rice. Let's now. just go off on rice. Yes. What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Um, so we, we have to say, right, like Marshall threw five interceptions and yeah. a lot of them – a lot of them were Rice playing good defense, and a lot of them were not. <laughs> a lot of them mm-hmm. were just Marshall, Marshall's quarterback having the worst day of his life. Mm-hmm. But uh, holy crap. <laughs> Man, I, I looked over at the score when it was just 10 nothing, And I was like, oh, right. that's, that's cool. That's right? nice. That's, that's neat. And then it was 20 nothing in the third quarter. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what's happening and then i see rice has its fifth pick on twitter and i was like wait hold on what is going on (laughs) and so i I went back and started to watch you know started to watch this game over and yeah marshall was just just throwing the ball away (laughs) just like here you have you have a pick you can have a pick the i think his second no the the one that went up that was a pick six to make it 20 nothing horrendous absolutely horrendous like miscommunication from the wide receiver but Rice is in position to jump on that. Um, and then the ne- very next, I think the next drive, or I don't know if it was a couple drives later, same situation where the wide receiver, I think kind of miscommunication there, boom, right into Rice's hands. And man, credit to Rice for just sucking the life out of this game on offense because it, w- it wasn't like they were explosive on offense. But right, right. They really didn't do anything, but they just did just enough and they made sure to keep the ball away from Marshall to reduce their chances. And that was like they i don't know they just kind of sat on the game right <laughs> right well and that's what's kind of interesting right is that uh is that rice was actually without mike collins in this game um you know so Giovanni yeah. johnson mm-hmm. was in at, at starting quarterback they didn't throw the ball a ton only 10 for 14 for 86 yards um but you know the offense just just like you mentioned you know they just did enough they did enough to to keep the games a grind they did enough to slow the game down and look, I mean, I think that the thing that you look at that's maybe most impressive about uh, about what Rice did is, yes, all the passing issues for Marshall aside, they held Marshall to 2.9 yards per carry. And, and they're a team that runs mm-hmm. the ball really well. And, and I think that the thing is, right, when they were able to shut down the running game like that, like Marshall had to keep going back to the air, even with their quarterback having just this terrible, horrible day. And so... I mean, it was just such a great team performance. And, and again, like, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the, the offensive numbers were buoyed by the defense. Obviously, they only scored 13 offensive points, but mm-hmm. they, they just did enough. This is what a, this is what a Mike Bloom get, 
Bloomgren team is supposed to look like. They're supposed to run the ball with consistency. They're supposed to have a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes, which Giovanni Johnson did not. Ten, again, like I mentioned, 10 for 14, uh, no interceptions, no turnovers. Like it was just every little thing went right for Rice and, and because of the preparation. And, um, sure. and look, Marshall was number 21 in the country and 7-0. and And they had beaten mm. a whole bunch of teams that were better than Rice, right? They beat App State. They beat FAU. They beat, you know, uh, they, they beat Louisiana Tech. Like, they had played really, really well this season to this point. And Rice, you know, this, this is what they, they kind of pitched when, when Mike Bloomgren came in, is we're going to make the game hard for everybody who plays us. And that just showed up in such a big way. Uh, and look, I, I think that this is – the other thing, too, is that I think that we feel validated because – you know, heading into the year, we thought that with all this production coming back on the defensive side of the ball, that Rice had a chance to be really good. And because of all the cancellations and postponements and not starting until October 24th, they didn't really get a chance to put all that together. And, and look, I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there's a very good chance that against UAB this week, it's still going to be, you know, a little bit of inconsistency. But I think that more than anything, it showed that Rice has a higher ceiling than I think people realize. And it, you know, it kind of sucks because, you know, I felt like we were saying this in 2019, um, you know, just wait until mm-hmm. next year. They're going to be special, but wait until next year, 2021. I think they're going to be special. No, I do too. Um, watching, watch the, one of the things that stood out to me, and I think it's a very, it's, it's an indication of what Mike Bloomgren is doing is watch, go back and watch all of those picks and watch the sideline. Right. They are like every single pick is like they just won the game. Right. Every single pick is like because because that's I mean that's something that's coached, right? You make them to make mis- you force them to make mistakes and every single thing that goes wrong for Marshall is game breaking, right? And so like you should ab- like it was so it was so entertaining to watch like I think they it was the, the, the pick to end the half uh, where it was like just 10 nothing like the half the fields half the teams on the field like it's just right. like it's like those type of moments where you're just like oh they just love playing for this dude and they're gonna commit everything right we mentioned the offense i mean Giovanni johnson he's a retro freshman he's going up against you know on the road number uh they were on the road yeah um uh going against the number 21 team in the country just doesn't you know doesn't make mistakes like that's all you need to do i mean i think they had the ball let me see i'm looking at it right now 36 minutes compared to 24 for for marshall right. they just Stuck the life out of the game, and right. they knew that if the defense was gonna force these mistakes, force these errors, or and and shut down the running game, like they don't need to do a lot. And that's, I don't know, man. This was this was like it was intellectual brutality at its finest. <laughs> and like, right, um, you know, when Rice starts to get these these guys up front to be able to really impose their will on games, like they're gonna be such an intriguing uh, uh, case study for kind of the direction of that Mike Bloomgren took them in because. You know, he came in and said, hey, look, I want to make this team a hand in the dirt, you know, uh, Stanford light. And people looked at him like, that's weird, but sure, go ahead. Crazy smart man. Um, <laughs> and now it's like, okay, well, we're, st- we're seeing the wrinkles of that. We saw it last year and we're seeing it more this year, especially on defense. Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the energy thing. And, and that's something that I think has really boosted uh, Jeff Trailer's UTSA this year, right? Like, I think oh, that – Yes, definitely. I, I think that teams that um, that do play with energy and, – and, again, I, I feel like I say it every week, but it is like a very high school thing, right? Like, it's a very, like, if you get keep your guys up, if you, if you kind of get guys to really support their teammates like that, right? Like, it can mm-hmm. raise the ceiling of a team. 
And like you mentioned, I mean, I, I think that players at Rice are really buying in. The other thing that I'll mention too is that, I mean, they're recruiting really well right now. They have a right now the number four recruiting class in Conference USA, according to 247, based on what they have, which by the way, <laughs> three of the, the top four teams in, a, in the Conference USA rankings are from Texas, UTSA at two, North Texas at three, Rice at four, only behind mm-hmm. Florida Atlantic, who, who, by the way, has seven more commits than anybody else. So, I mean, look, I, I think that Rice is in good shape. This is what we hoped to see from Rice. You know, they're a team that's now, I think, heading forward, they should expect to compete in every game that they play. They should expect to compete against UAB. And, and look, if they're able this weekend, you know, not to look ahead too much, if they're able to give UAB a game, potentially beat UAB, obviously <laughs> get UTSA into the conference <laughs> title game. Uh, you know, that I think that that changes a whole lot, right? Like, I think that that makes us feel really, really good about where Rice is at. And honestly, I mean, I, I, I'm very serious about this. I feel so good right now about the teams that, you know, I, I guess the last two years we've kind of dubbed the bottom of the state, right? Like, you know, there was that – there was that core four that was always at the bottom, right? Rice, Texas State, UTEP, and uh, and UTSA. Obviously, UTSA has mm-hmm. exploded out of that, right? Like they're they're number two mm-hmm. right now in our power poll. But um, but you know, I feel really good about where. Uh, I mean, UTEP is obviously the one that that has work to do, and obviously Texas State a little bit too. But I feel good about where they're at relative to where they were last year. Um, and and Rice, I think, is in great shape, and UTSA is in fantastic shape. So. I think that the bottom of the of the state is finally starting to kind of find its footing, and, and I feel really good about that. Definitely, no, I agree. Um, and it starts with, and it starts with you know where, where Rice. It, it kind of culminates now with where Rice is because I think regardless of where everybody else finishes, I mean, I don't see any reason to doubt any of those teams going into next year. Absolutely not. Anyway. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, like I mentioned, you can find all of our work at textfootball.com. We got all sorts of college content going up there. Uh, all of last week, we got a bunch, and then we've got a bunch uh, coming up this week as well. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell Sucks Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. You can become a subscriber at textfootball.com slash subscribe. For Ishmael Johnson, I'm Shahan Jaraja. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back with you guys again on Wednesday.